Gentlemen, start your engines. This is going to be a mighty emotional occasion for a lot of people, not the least of whom is myself. In a race to remember. But this is absolutely gobsmacking. He hasn't even hit the brake yet. It's gone crazy at the top of the hill. What an off-the-scale car race. G'day, I'm Dan Hollihan. Welcome to my motorsports podcast, On the Couch with Hawley. Brought to you by Sweet Black, creating success for people. This episode, I speak with Kevin Burton. Kevin is an ex-sprint car and production car driver, and he also plays golf with my dad. Let's get into it. Kevin, welcome to On the Couch with Hooli. I approached you over the internet, but um, how have you been? You've you, you're actually been playing a bit of golf. Yeah, yeah, I played play golf at Ride Parramatta. I've been there sort of about 22, 23 years. Play with your dad occasionally and see him just about every Wednesday. So, <laughs> not this Wednesday because we're all flooded out. But yeah, how is how is my actual dad Steve at golf? Because I know he loves his golfing, but he never actually tells me much about it. <laughs> Does yeah, he, is he is he quite good at it, or he, is he or is he just he plays all, all right? No idea. He plays all right. Yeah, we're we're, we're both in B grade, so uh, our handicaps are similar around that fifteen mark. So, where's where's your favourite golf course like in Australia? We'll get into the racing later. We'll just start it with a bit of golf because yeah. that's what, that's your main sport at the moment. Yeah, look, a lot of people will say the Mornington Peninsula down there in Victoria. You yep. know, the National Golf Golf Course down there is lovely. Mm. Um, I've I've played over in Dubai when we've been over there racing with with Mel. We played Dubai where they hold the Desert Classic, so yeah, that was good. I've played uh, Carnoustie just before they were hosting the British Open, so. It's always great to play these courses, and then when you watch them on TV, you have a totally different appreciation of the holes because you played the course. So yeah. It's a bit like if you're watching a motor race and you've raced there before, you can appreciate what they're doing on the track and that. So I've, I, I was uh, captain at uh, Ride Parramatta for probably five years. So as captain, you get to play a lot of good golf courses. So I really rate uh, Eleonora in mm. Sydney. That's, that's a lovely golf course, but... Yeah, played the Australian, New South Wales, all, all the golf courses that you should be playing as yeah. a golfer. I've yeah. played through that privilege of being captain and president at Ride Parramatta, so it's yeah, been great. Right. Is it like different from going from a high octane sport to golf? Is it was it just kind of like a retirement, like relaxing, or do you still take it quite competitively in seriousness? Oh, you're always competitive, and you've got to have a bet every week. Otherwise, there's no use. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's no use taking on your mates and sledging your mates and all that unless you're having a bet. <laughs> so going back. Kevin, like obviously before your golfing and your, your car racing days, um, where did you grow up in Sydney and, and what's the background of your family? Uh, I grew up out in Arcadia in the Hills District, which is uh, now not so rural, but when I was growing up, there wasn't a lot of uh, public transport or anything. You used to have to get around with uh, either hitchhiking, but we all had mini bikes and motorbikes and that sort of thing. So it was, um, we were sort of riding on the sides of the roads illegally if cop came along you just sort of switched it off and pretended to be pushing it and that sort of thing but <laughs> as i say it was rural out there not as built up as it is now so we grew up out there and uh did you have did you have many friends like obviously into the, like the bikes and the cars or anything like what was it for me like obviously my dad and my mum and all that got me into go-karts but do you have anything that like formulated into like a car racing background back then like with the bikes or anything did you just race or just bang cars around or, or bikes around the paddock? Well, Talking about bikes, if you want to call push bikes, yeah, bikes. <laughs> uh, my father was a doctor and was very big on health and well-being, and so uh, I was racing push bikes from about the age of ten to fifteen. Mm. 
So my afternoons after school was coming home and jumping on a push bike and doing a 20-kilometre ride. So uh, it wasn't until I was about 14 or so that I got a motorbike and push bikes went out the window. Yeah, right. And uh, my friends, we, we all had acreage out there, five and eight acres, and, and uh, a friend of mine had an old Austin A40 with the body taken off it. It was just a chassis with a bench seat bolted on it, and that's where we learnt to drive in the paddock, and you had to hang onto the steering wheel because there was no seat belt, so when you turned around a corner, you didn't slide off and end up, on, end up in the paddock. Yeah. Do you remember your first like road car that you got when you were growing up? Yeah, Mazda R100. Well, I was big into the rotaries in the early days because I worked for a rotary specialist, um, Phil Alexander, and Phil yeah. Alexander's done a lot of motor racing as well. And yeah. I've worked for Phil and driven with Phil, and uh, we have a great friendship yeah. on myself. <laughs> how did how did Phil and like you and Mal? We'll, we'll, we'll go a bit forward here because I've yeah. chatted to Mal, and you've obviously listened to Mal, and you guys chat together. Yeah. How did that friendship with Mal and Phil and you all come together? Well. Phil owes me a lot of money because he's the one who got me into motor racing. So I've spent <laughs> well over in between one and two million dollars over the last thirty years. Sorry yeah. if you're listening, dear. <laughs> but um, we've uh, he got me into motor racing. I was working for him, uh, just cleaning the workshop and hitchhiking on a Saturday morning from Arcadia over to his workshop in Campsie, yeah, which was a fair old hike. And um, I had uh, at one stage Mazda street sedans were racing just the smaller ten A motors. And I had an old $400 RX4 and they raised the uh, engine capacity to allow the 13Bs to race. And he said to me, KB, you give me your car, I'll turn it into a race car if you let me race it for the year. <laughs> and he said, you can get your licence uh, and, and race it as a sports sedan. Yeah. So that's uh, how I got started in motor racing and uh, yeah, right. in Mazda street sedans. But formally prior to that, I was uh, in the Mazda car club and just doing some car club stuff in other people's cars, which was great. Yeah. Did, you, did your racing career start in 1990 or was it before that? Because only on the internet it says, as we were talking off air, you don't, there's not much about you on air uh, or off online, I mean, but is, is there many racing um, accolades before 1990 with you or not really? Yeah, I started racing. I got my license in 1982 and yep. then in 1983 ran in the streets of Downs and got the Rookie of the Year with that. Mm. And um, that's when my career started in 1983 and I was pretty much a professional third place getter. Yeah, right. <laughs> I got a lot of third place trophies and uh, always always up the pointy end. Uh, yeah. However, most weekends when we were racing, there was always somebody different who was coming first. And yeah, yeah I was just, I was always up there, but running third a lot. Yeah. And uh, no, the Mazda Street Sedans were great. We uh, Mark Gibbs, we used to race with Gibbsy, uh, Phil Alexander, of course. Mm. And uh, Mark's living up on the Gold Coast now and retired, but I remember going around to Mark's place one day and he's, uh, he ran the GIO Nissan GTR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he put it on the front row of the grid of Bathurst and uh, there was Jim Richards and Mark Scope on pole and I think Gibbsy was second. And he got the jump on Jim Richards going up off the start, going up Mountain Straight, and he's got this picture blown up on his wall. Yeah. This massive thing, like takes up the whole wall <laughs> uh, of him leading Bathurst going up the up Is it Mountain still Strait. there? Do you no, know? he sold the house to Phil oh, Alexander, right. actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, pretty cool picture. Not too many people have a photo of uh, them leading the, the field at Bathurst. Yeah, right, right. But for you, obviously, because it is a, is a racing podcast, um, do you have any memories as a kid, like of going to like the speedway or watching something on TV that, that got you like addicted to the sport? I wouldn't say so much addicted, but my father used to take me to the Sydney showground mm. for the speedway bikes and cars and, and the midgets and, and that. So back in the early days, yeah, went, went to the showground mm. 
which was fantastic because later on in life when I was racing Speedway, I was good friends with David Lander, the promoter at Parramatta, and mm. uh, David ran the last show at the Sydney Showground. Yeah, right. When was and, the last show? When was the last showground race? Uh, I've got the ticket, so I, I don't. I was, <laughs> Do you remember? I, like, I, I, was memory, race, like, I was racing Speedway, and I started racing Speedway in about nineteen ninety five or six. Four, yeah. So it would have been ninety eight or something like that. I think uh, Gary Rush won the final, which yeah. w- which was great. And uh, uh, I think the Dark Family's car. Mm. Uh, but I got to take my father. I, I had a box there with David, and we were in the in the corporate suites there. So I got to take my father. Yeah, uh, to the final race at the at the at the Sydney Showground. So it was great to repay him for what he'd done for me in, mm. in the early days, taking me there. Can Can you like obviously teach me a bit about the Sydney Showground because it is now Fox Studios. Where was the cars and all that? Like where were that? Were they all, were they all backed out of where the Fox Studios is now, or where where is where? Can you remember much well, of how? Well, this... the pits were underneath one of the concrete grandstands, which also had the uh, ha- had a big uh, like a scoreboard, uh, mm. like say the SCG type scoreboard, it had a big scoreboard there. It was, it was also the main arena for the Easter show. Yeah, okay. Uh, but uh, there was, uh, they, they didn't run sprint cars back in those days. It was just the midgets because the track was, was too, too mm. small, too tight for, for sprint cars. Yeah, right. So it was just midgets and bikes, really. From my memory, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And sidecars. Yeah. 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 And you were, we were talking on the phone a while ago how you were seeing like my future guests and whatnot. You actually did a bit of production car racing as well before your whole sprint car days. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned Gwenda Searle. So when did the whole production car around those days mm. happen for you? Like, Well, I used to work in the bank, and uh, when I was racing the street sedans, I should have had the big, those who remember, bank card before Visa and MasterCard, I should have had the big B painted on the side of my car because uh, mm. I had four bank cards. And so every payday when I got paid fortnightly in the bank, mm. uh, I'd pay $200 on one credit card yeah next day get a cash advance of 200 and put it on the next credit card so i could turn 200 dollars into 800 dollars, and that's how i did my racing in the mazdas (laughs) but uh from mazdas um there was a guy keith mcculloch who worked in the motor trade Mm. and uh he said uh, and a lot of the guys i was racing against were in the motor trade so they said mate what are you doing working in the bank get get into the motor trade and earn some real money yeah and so they took me into uh, and and getting into the motor trade, and I was working with Keith McCulloch at uh, at an auction, car mm. auctions, and uh, we decided to go production car racing. Yeah, and uh, we bought a little Suzuki GDI, yeah, one of the first series ones. So uh, we raced that together, and uh, that was basically around the beginning of the uh, Bathurst twelve hour, the first Bathurst twelve hours, and in ninety one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that was that the same car that you used in the Winton three hundred? Was that the same car, or was that a different one? Uh, no, I ended up driving an Apple Tires mm. car in that. I think. Yeah. So you drove two different Swifts in in within the with the one year or something. Yeah. Well, Keith and myself shared this red car, and mm. I wasn't much for sharing. In the end, we tossed who was going to race at Bathurst, and I lost the toss. So yeah. Uh, therefore, I didn't like sharing a car. Yeah. So <laughs> I had to I had to go out on my own and. Uh, yeah. So we got into production car racing, and uh, was this in the state series level at the start, and then you went to national, or was it? No, the street sedans was just state, but the production cars was racing predominantly at Amaru Park and uh, with the ARDC meetings, and then um, it, it then later on we moved on to the production car championship. But uh, Toyota introduced the, uh, a whole heap of uh, Corolla SX Corollas, mm. twin cam Corollas. And uh, they would do a special deal for any competitor who wanted to race one of those. 
And I was working for a Mitsubishi dealer at the time, and I told him that I was looking at getting a Corolla Toyota to do a deal, and he said, ah, oh, well, I'll do a deal on a GSR Lancer, yeah. which sounded great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only problem was they were extremely underpowered. <laughs> uh, had big brakes, handled fantastic, yep. but extremely underpowered. So, uh, And that's oh, it's, I started racing production cars in the Lancer. Yeah. And uh, that's when it went. When, was that uh, your full tilt championship back then? Was that your first, year, like, full big year of yeah, production car racing? Yeah, pretty much. But uh, they used to have the Eastern Creek Triple Challenge. Mm-hmm. which was great, and we'd do, as I say, Amaru Park, Oran Park, but I, I wasn't going into state at this stage. But the car just wasn't competitive, and uh, it, it was pretty embarrassing, to be honest, because yeah. I thought my ability was a fair bit better than what the, the car was letting me show. So I think I came second last or last at Oran Park one day, and I said, that's it, I've had enough. And <laughs> I decided I was going to buy, buy one of the EBSS Falcons, which yeah, I ended, right. up, ended up buying Ken Douglas's black, uh, black Falcon. So. Yeah, let's let's get back to the Winfield Triple Challenge. No one on this podcast has mentioned that, and that was one of my favourite events as a kid. My Fantastic. dad and Steve probably would have watched you with me as a kid. Um, but they did that recently, I think, over COVID uh, up in Darwin. But what did you remember about the whole Eastern Creek Winfield Triple Challenge? Like, what was the day as a competitor there when they started it? Oh, like it was when you fant- rolled up at the in the morning. You know, yeah, it was fantastic because it, it was bikes, cars, and drag cars. Yeah, and um. I'd never been to drag racing. Uh, I'd, I'd always had an interest in motorcycle racing. Mm. I'd been out to Oran Park when Giacomo Agostini had come out here and raced at Oran Park. Like a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. On his MV Augusta, that Agostini came out here, but um, my dad took me out there. So yeah. it was it was great to have something else to be watching rather than what you see each week, whether it be the Formula Fords, Formula Vs, or yeah. or the touring cars at the time. It, it just to, to see the bikes. But then when we were packing up, I'd never, as I say, I'd never been to the drags before, and the thunder that those top fuels, <laughs> put, the, the whole grandstand would shake, the pits would shake, and it was just amazing. Did they have how many how many top fuels did they have in Australia back then? Was there many, or was there only like four or six or whatnot? Do you remember? Well, not knowing much much, much <laughs> about drag racing, as I say. Yeah. Uh, I, look, I think there, there there was best part of eight cars. You know. Yeah. Jim Reed was 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 the king of the kids. Yeah. He was sort of the Gary Rush of. Yeah, I'm going to get him on here too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so know, he so. was the Gary Rush back yeah. then, so he yeah. would have been in the pits. And who was yeah. driving, do you remember from memory, who was driving the, like, I know Scafie was in the Winfield supercar at the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So Jim Reed, would, was he in the Winfield? Yeah, Winfield drag, drag car. Yeah. And who was in, there was, an, there, was the win, there was a Winfield bike there that weekend too, yeah. I think. Uh, but you say with Scafie, yes, he was in the Winfield cars. But uh, I think at that time, in the Triple Challenge, Scafie, Mark Larkham, and um, Jim Richards or Tony Longhurst? No, I was, was going to say they were racing the Formula Holdens or, or, yes, or whatever they yes, were at yes. the time. Yeah, yeah that, that was Formula Holden back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. That, they were in those cars, and and, and yes, that, that, there was a, the, the touring cars as we call them. I don't know. Mm. The the change to supercars came. I remember I, my first Bathurst was ninety four, and I think that was in the V eights. But it was about ninety three that I think Glenn Seaton unleashed the EB Falcon with. When everybody else still had Sierras, but uh, mm. yeah, I know it was the early nineties. Yeah. So Mal was talking on the podcast, obviously, because you're good mates with him. You're going between the Australian Production Car Championship to turning it into, I think, it was like the, you know, that p- part of life where it was changing to the supercars. Do you were you involved in that, or were you just racing in the support categories back then? Yeah, we were support categories back then. In '93, uh, was the, the the full championship. Mm. Uh, uh, after the championship was over, 
Mal and myself teamed up to, and, and as I say, not supercars, touring cars, they were struggling for numbers in the fields at the time. And so in 1993, the Sandown 500 mm. invited production cars yep. into it. So that's the first time Mal and myself drove together. We put Mal's engine and uh, I'll mention his exhaust. We yep. put Mal's engine and his exhaust in my car yep. to compete in the Sandown 500. And yep. I'll point out that it's the first time that my car's ever blown flames. I'd raced it for a year and never blew flames out the exhaust until we put <laughs> Mal's engine and exhaust into my car. Um, but we proceeded to win our class down there in the Sandown 500 and actually came seventh outright in the supercar race. Yeah, right. Wow. I think it was Jeff Brabham and David Parsons won the race. There was Troy Dunstan and Bob Jones. They were the other three cars that, first, second and third, and we were first production car and seventh outright, which in a production car and a supercar race was, was not bad. Troy Dunstan, that's a name that I haven't heard in a while. He's, he was a pretty handy steerer, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in the, the, the mobile Quicks yellow car. Yep. And uh, there was Bob Jones in the Ampol car. Mm. And as I say, Jeff Brabham and David Parsons were in the uh, Peter Jackson car. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do Going you, back a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's, that's all right. Do you remember much of your product, like, you, did you finish in your production car days between the like your first and your last year? Were you only, only around battling for the top five or did you get many wins or were you again in like Speedway battling for a podium? Uh, no, we, um, the, the heavy year in production cars was uh, for the Falcons and Commodores was 1992 yep. and I bought my car, actually on my honeymoon, mm. bought, bought the car, uh, stopped in at Bathurst on the way home <laughs> on the honeymoon uh, <laughs> to buy Ken Douglas's car yep. and that was the end of 92 and so 93, the, the, the bigger cars was basically Mal, Terry Bosenjack and myself and uh, another guy, Chris Sexton, I think. Mm. Uh, and once again, professional third place runner. Yeah, um, <laughs> we, we we started the, the the championship down at Winton, and uh, yeah, we went out there, and I had a miss in my car that uh, just wasn't running right. We qualified third. We we rented an engine off Mel for a thousand dollars for the for, to use his engine for the weekend, <laughs> and it still had the miss in it. So it obviously wasn't the engine. It must have been my, my ECU or something. So yeah, Mal and Mal and Boz would get pretty heavily into it, and I had the best seat in the box to, to watch it all happening as they're taking each other out. They both got drive-through penalties at Winton and so <laughs> I had the lead and looked like an idiot because I ended up getting caught and passed again because my car wasn't running right. But <laughs> it's it's just one of those things, it's you know. The racing. opportunity was sort of there and then, then it was uh, uh, <laughs> and it wasn't. But we had great battles at Eastern Creek. I remember one which mm. is one of those stories where Mal and myself are fighting it out for pole and I'm one hundredth of a second quicker than him, so he goes out again, and he gets a hundredth of a second faster than me. Mm. Uh, and then I went out again, and I, I got him. Whatever it was, it was about a hundredth of a second, and we had a few goes at it. But uh, so the quickest I'd ever been around Eastern Creek because we just changed pads, and one of my good mates, Greg Smythe, he's just likes to be around, help get the fuel, polish the car, hold the fire extinguisher in a long-distance race. But yeah. <laughs> my, my head mechanic asked him, oh, Greg, I want you to change the pads on the on the driver's side. I'll do the passenger side. Yeah. Anyway, Greg put one of the pads in back to front, so it was metal to metal, and they're the quickest laps I've done around Eastern Creek. <laughs> metal, metal to metal, so it was worked out pretty well. Was, was, the, was the car, like, hot at that point? Like in the, cause we, we didn't even know until afterwards, until we've pulled the car down to get it ready to race, and we've noticed one of the pads is in back to front. But anyway, <laughs> one of those funny things that happen on a racetrack. Yeah, you work for Volkswagen. 
in the car dealership world, but where did the whole thing for you being a car dealer happen? Like for you, was it in your late twenties? My dad was actually working for Toyota. I don't know if he's told you that, but he worked at Ride. Did did you start in that whole area or did you start in the Hills district? No, um, as I say, Keith McCulloch got me a job in the car auctions, which was Debian's motor auctions on Taverners Hill at uh, Leichhardt. So mm. uh, I did the auctions for about a year and a half, then went out into dealer land for probably another year or so. And then after only being in the motor trade two and a half, three years, I went out wholesaling on my own, started up my own business. And uh, so uh, that would, I started in the motor trade at about 25, 25 yep. or 6. So. Yeah, right. And then you just use that to slowly progress into buying cars and whatnot and go from there. Yeah, well, work, working for other companies, you, it's all about contacts and building up relationships of the people that you're dealing with. They don't, they wouldn't sell me cars because I paid more than anybody else. It's just your mates, you go out, you play golf, you have lunch. It's, it's more building a business relationship rather than the price. Yeah. Have you ever owned your own dealership or have you always just worked under someone? No, no, no. Well, KB. no, no not, a, not a dealership, but I had my own business, which was Burton Autosport. Oh, which, okay. Which uh, buying and selling cars from one dealer, selling to another dealer. Yep. And trying to stay out of retail, having not having to want to deal with the public and just deal with people who know what you're talking about yeah. and on the same <laughs> level. See, I couldn't research that anything on you because I couldn't find anything. The only thing close enough I could find on Google was KB Automotive. So, Well, that's not me that's either. That's not you, so there you go, see? <laughs> no, I'm so, very low-key. I, I, I don't put myself out there on the, on the internet or, yeah. or that. And Yeah, I'm on Facebook, but it's more than anything to keep an eye on what everybody else is saying. I I have to get my son to put pictures on there when it was my birthday and everybody sent the birthday wishes. Yeah. I had to get him to take the photo and post it because I don't do it. I just <laughs> That's the only photo I've found of you on the internet. So going back to the racing thing, growing up I only just got to see Oran Park obviously for quite a bit and I didn't never got to see Amaru and obviously mentioned Eastern Creek. Between the tracks in New South Wales, did you actually get to race also – in that track that was on in the Blue Mountains, or was that was that around Cat, your Cat, Catalina Park? Catalina no, Park. No, I never no. raced at Catalina. Okay, no. but you, you got to race at Amaru quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of racing at Amaru with the mm. uh, ARDC, and mm. um, there was a lady, Mary Packard. She used to run the race meetings for the uh, yeah one she, of the racing clubs, but yeah, uh, yeah, she was there for many years. So she got to race. So yeah, that that's that's pretty cool. Mm. But you meant sorry. We'll we'll go back ten minutes now since you asked me. But yeah, that when I was racing the Suzukis and the Lancers, that's when I met Gwenda Searle. And yeah, and uh, when we bought the Falcon, we we raced the Winton Three Hundred, and that's when uh, a young Stephen Richards and Melinda Price were driving a Nissan Pulsar for Gary Gary Rogers Motorsport. Yeah, that right. Was the wow. Winton Three Hundred in about nineteen ninety two. That would have been because that was our first Winton Three Hundred. So. Mm. Do you remember much about the paddock then? For now, who are people who are like legends of the sport now? Do you remember? When they were young, like Wenda, you know, Stephen now, he's, he's had his own mm. Carrera Cup car team. His dad's obviously a Hall of Famer and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but do you remember much of those kids growing up in the pits and for your memory? You know, because... Oh, no, that, not that much because, as I say, I, I basically keep to myself. We had our pit area. Mm. I would be in our pit area. I wasn't one of these guys to wander around the pits and, oh, that's so-and-so, so I'll go introduce myself. I, yeah. I didn't go chasing people. I just... if if we met in casual conversation or with somebody else, we'd, we'd have a chat and everything's fine. You know, I, I didn't go putting myself out there. Yeah. Um, so you've always been quite la Later on after Stephen won Bathurst, mm. um, I went and spoke to him and uh, I organised for him to drive my sprint car at Parramatta Raceway. 
Yeah, and right. uh, and Murphy, uh, Greg Murphy, drove my teammate Kerry Madsen's car. Yeah, right. So we were both driving for Craft Differentials. Mm. Kerry, Kerry was a, a driver for them. Mm. I was a pay, paying customer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we, we, we were both into one team. So, yeah, we got uh, Stephen and Greg to drive the sprint cars one night at Parramatta. So yeah, it was pretty cool. So yeah. they, they loved it because at that stage it still wasn't really acceptable mm. for touring car guys to be doing speedway like there was pretty much barry graham and yeah. uh, and that sort of stuff and the Dumsey, they, they were doing the call to park thunderdome thing really that was our yeah. closest yeah. thing really yeah. to it yeah yeah right so but max was max was a, a sprint car driver yeah who, who then did some supercars and that sort of stuff with uh yeah uh, was john uh, sydney was john yeah, sydney, john running sydney racing yeah yeah, yeah so. right so we're, we're, you're most known. You're most known as what a lot of people hit, hit me up on the internet about your sprint car days at, at Granville Parramatta Speedway. So, how did you get? How did you get into sprint cars? From like going from production cars, as you said, it wasn't. It was like really like not really no one, no one really wanted to go across to the dirt and back. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So, what was it like for you being a private guy and going? Oh, you know what? Fuck it! I'm just going to drop this thing and go to a sprint car. Yeah, well, we, we were going to, as I say, I was good friends with with David Lander, who was the promoter, and there's Graham Blanche, who is the van man, which there was a question the other day yeah, about yeah, the van man. Yeah, And uh, Jeff Rogers, there was a few of us. We, we ended up uh, getting a box and going to the Speedway mm. every Friday night at the time, and then when it was Saturday, and we yep. used to just really enjoy it. And I said, well, shit, I'd love to have a go of that. That <laughs> just looks awesome. <laughs> so uh, anyway. There was Brett Lozman had a business like Mal's supercar experience, but Brett's business was with a sprint car and yeah. you could single seater, you, you could drive the squirt in the dirt. Yeah. So I organized with Brett because uh, Brett and Graham Blanche were, were, were friends. And yeah. uh, so I did the squirt in the dirt thing one Sunday, got David to open the track for me on a Sunday and we went out there on a Sunday and I was fair, I would say. Mm. Um, and, of course, they always try to pump your tyres up. Oh, mate, you were going really good. Geez, those lap times were good. Like everything that, that, that you try to do, somebody's trying to pump your tyres up. So yeah. Anyway, in my own mind, I, th- I thought, yeah, I reckon I can do this. And mm. uh, getting the wife's permission, um, mm. she said, you're mad, but if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. So <laughs> I approached Craft Differentials, um, Richard and Peter Craft, and sadly mm-hmm. Peter passed away a few years ago. Mm. But uh, fantastic guys down there at Craft Differentials. So the organisation they run, you walk in and the joint's just a shit fight. <laughs> <laughs> there's cars and diffs and, yeah. and crap everywhere. And over in the corner, there's some sprint cars there. <laughs> and they just they do a fantastic job. And there was Bill Roberts who uh, used to set the cars up and uh, they had um, a different attitude with sprint cars. Instead of torsion bars, they'd have uh, shock absorbers with springs. And they called them a coil over car. Mm. Anyway, I approached them and I said, look, I'd like to rent a car off you and, and have a drive. And I'd yeah. previously had a pretty bad experience with another like another road rental. racing bloke who'd, who, yeah. who'd left them <laughs> with a bill outstanding and I won't mention his name because yeah. that's not fair. But um, so anyway, I convinced them and give them a bit of money up front and they said, look, we'll give you a go. And mm. we had one of the Americans, a guy called Bobby Allen come out from the States yeah, and Crafts provided him with a car. So they put me in Bobby Allen's car. Mm. So the, I think it was close to the last meeting of the season. Mm. And uh, I jumped in it and uh, after being in the squirt in the dirt car and then they pushed started me on this thing. I flicked the ignition switch on and hit the accelerator. And like Mal said, 
It was like wheel standing down, and I thought, shit, this <laughs> thing's got so much more power than than uh, bread sole squirt and the dirt dunger. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, as it turns out, I made the feature the first night, so uh, I was pretty happy with that. And uh, Do you remember how many cars were entered that night? Uh, on, for memory, like on average in Oh, the you pitch? still have a, a, a C main, a B main, and an A main. Yeah. Uh, let's so about see, 50 or 60 cars, you uh, Probably wasn't that. It would have been in the, 40, in the 40s. Okay. Yeah, and eighteen start the feature race, so I made the top eighteen, I guess. Uh, okay, just yeah, yeah, right. So I was happy with that, and and Crafts were happy with the way that it, uh, I conducted myself with their team, and uh, so it, it then moved on from there that uh, I did a deal with them to to uh, that went on for about five years. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> what was it like going from? Obviously, you've heard Max Johnson and other guys on the podcast talk about how they get on get it into an A main. What was it like going from a qualifying in a production car race to looking at a pill drawer and away you're out in the heat race, just completely that, like spontaneous and random? That was one of the most exciting mm. things about speedway racing that you could go out there and it's not he who has the most money, puts it on pole and wins the race. Mm. You are drawn out of a hat mm-hmm. and if you're half worth your salt, you can win your heat races and that's so how you start off the front and you can win heat races. Yeah. And we used to have the, the, the big show of the year used to be the 50,000 to win show. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough uh, to draw the front row a couple of years in a row and uh, racing against the best quality field in Australia and also a lot of the Americans. Mm-hmm. And uh, both times I won heats where you get, get given the, the hat and the towel for winning a heat and that yeah. sort of stuff, which, <laughs> which I've still got. But uh, Did you race Steve Kinzer in that back then? Were they coming out to Granville at the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kinzer so, was coming out. and uh, But yeah. he, he was amazing. Like, he'd be behind you and he'd know what your car was going to do before you knew what your car was going to do. You'd be turning into, into a corner and he'd already be reading what you were going to be doing before you even did it. Well, and he, he, would he just, was amazing. Would he just go over the top and just pass you? Like He would like pass you around? inside, outside. He'd pass you anywhere. Wow. Do you have any minute, like, you, we were talking on the phone a while ago um, about Max Dumbs and your crazy stories with him. Do you, do, you, do you have many crazy speedway stories in the pits or even outside of the pits with him? Oh. Becoming mates with any of them? No, I mean, I, I remember my first feature race podium. It was my first year. Mm. And this is what I mean about the beauty of speedway racing is you can mix it with the best of them. Mm. And I was running this coilover car and it was three or four laps from the end and mm. uh, my left hand shock absorber flew off. It yeah. came off the car. And I'm running third. I got Max Dumsney or Gary Rush first and either one of them then second and me running third. Yep. The few laps to go, I thought, I'm not giving this up. I just kept my foot into the bucket and kept on going. <laughs> and we crossed the line third, and then, I, then I'm thinking, now how am I going to slow this down without flipping the car <laughs> with the front end collapsing? But uh, anyway, we're on, the, we're on the podium, and it's Gary Rush, Max Dumsney, and, and me, Neville Nobody, Kevin Burton on the podium. Now, that <laughs> cannot happen in yeah. touring car racing. Yeah. It, it, it's like having Mal Rose finish on the podium with Peter Brock and Dick Johnson. It's yeah. just, it was never going to happen. Yeah. And that was in my first year of Speedway, and that's, as I say, the reason I like Speedway is everybody has a chance and the track's constantly changing. You could have some nights where you just drove so easily and you had a great, great mm. result or other nights where you drove your ass off and you've gone nowhere, yeah. but you worked two or three times as hard. It's just, you know, all about setup. And um, we, we ended up with uh, a few podiums. We've, there's another one, Brooke Tatnell, Pete Murphy and myself on the podium. As I say, it's just 
Yeah. I'm just a privateer, just a bloke out there having a go, and you can be on the podium, and you can't do that with circuit racing. Yeah, and it's just it's just amazing the way you get you get to, yeah. like you just get a massive thrill from doing it. I, I mean, for me personally, I got to race legend cars for a bit on dirt, and that yeah. for me was I loved it because it was just going from tar go karts at the time to legend dirt cars, yeah. and I got a thrill out of it. And obviously, it didn't work out for me, but yeah, I totally understand that point of just you're getting you, it's just the, the the fun side of it. Mm. For you back then. Obviously, the newer sprint car drivers were talking about different tyre changes they were putting over to change to the setup. Back then in sprint cars, was it the same or was it a certain, just the one tyre? Because obviously models of sprint cars have changed over the time, but did you well, have My last sprint car then? race was back in about 2001, so over 20 years ago. Mm. But uh, yeah, you had different compound tyres uh, and that's uh, whether it was a slick track or, or a tacky track. Mm. Uh, and yeah, you, you, your offsets and your, your stagger and... Mm. I mean, I, I had it. It was all totally new. Me coming over from production car racing, and then they're talking about Jacob's ladders and things like that. And I think I got no idea what any of these parts are. Yeah, uh, yeah. A Jacob's ladder. What's that do on a race car? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it, it was a big learning experience. And so I had Bill Roberts, who was uh, and the craft guys setting my car up. I had no idea. I just drove what I what I had, and some nights it was good. Sometimes it wasn't, but. It's not therefore I wasn't able to give them the feedback of what mm. I wanted out of the car. And after racing sprint cars for probably four or five years, it was then towards the end that I, that I was getting the hang of it and there'd be a stoppage, a rollover, and I'd say, right, I'd put a bit more stagger on it or do this or, or move the wheel out another another mm. half inch or, or something like that. Uh, I, I never had the fancy stuff of um, uh, adjustable top wings or anything like that. Mm. Uh, I just... Yeah. I, I, to to me, I wasn't at that level where where, yeah. where that shit was going to make a difference to me. When I first started, that had all these steering arms with holes drilled in them, lightweight and all this. I said, mate, I don't need that shit. I, I need something that's going to be durable so that I can finish the race. I don't need stuff breaking on me because we're chasing that last yeah. couple of pounds to make it lighter. Yeah, and Mao, and obviously Mao Rose, it was he was he the one to get a go in your sprint car as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you hear Mal talking about um, he, he couldn't lift off the throttle, so he just shut it down. And it wasn't so much just his knee either. It's just with with his knee and his gammy leg, mm. his right foot would pretty much be at 45 degrees. And so he, he walked with that almost lift one, drag one. And so it, it wasn't easy for him to sit in the car yeah. and operate the throttle. But uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll just stick with it that he had trouble with his knee maybe. <laughs> Maybe it might have been he was a bit scared, eh, Mel? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we have a joke about it. Yeah, but so yeah, you, you've obviously had the crossover from production cars to sprint cars to occasional V8 supercars. Your only goes in V8 supercars was that only at the Bathurst One Thousand? Yeah, uh, was the first one? At, was your first one in nineteen ninety seven or before that? No, no, nineteen ninety four was yep. my first one in the NZ Commodore. Mm-hmm. I was racing in production cars against Ryan McLeod. He was running one of his dad's. Citroen that he'd previously run in the Bathurst 12 hours and uh, Peter McLeod rung me out of the blue and said oh Kevin do you want to drive at Bathurst mm. and it's one of those phone calls that nobody ever expects to get and you, <laughs> you're shocked when you do get it mm. and you think yeah well okay how much is this going to be <laughs> and the, the, the figure w- that was quoted was, yeah. was, was more than acceptable and I thought I'll probably only ever get one crack at this yeah so I'm in yeah so that was 1994 and the NZ VL Commodore with uh, Peter McLeod, former Bathurst winner with Brock, mm. and uh, his son Ryan and, and myself. 
Yeah, Ryan obviously started Mark Cars, I think, didn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the the whole McLeod family have been involved in race cars, and and, and Peter, a, a car dealer as well. He he he'd had car dealerships down in the Wollongong Way, mm. and uh, but that that was a very sad time. It was my first Bathurst, and uh, we'd gone up there, and it was practice, and uh, poor old Don Watson had passed away. It, it mm. was, I think, close to the first practice session or whatever, and. From what I understand, uh, it was very cold and um, the, the brakes had old discs on the car, I believe, mm. uh, that uh, a disc shattered and he, he came down Conrad Strait and went went wow. in, into the chase with, with no brakes and unfortunately mm. passed away. So I hadn't even got in the car yet and somebody's just passed away on the track. So And that was in the yeah. first practice session? <laughs> uh, yeah, wow. so it, it was a bit of a, a, a nervy start to, yeah. to my first uh, jaunt at Bathurst. He's still got his company going don watson transport today yeah, so yeah. it's and, run by his wife is it yeah and we actually just last two weeks ago came back from uh playing golf down in melbourne and drove through bacchus marsh and mm. to me bacchus marsh is famous for the don watson transport yeah, yeah, right. so, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah so yeah that was your first memory of, of the bathurst do you remember do you remember getting were you nervous driving like obviously for me when i've gone to race at bathurst i've got nervous seeing the big mount panorama did you get any did you actually get any nerves Bloody racing did cars I, at all? Where's, I, where's your most nervous moment for you racing a car? Was it a, was it in a well, sprint car, production car, or is there any specific moment that you remember? I was extremely nervous because Don had just passed away. Mm. I'd never driven a, a, a V8 Group A, Group C, whatever you might want to call it, a, mm. a V8. I'd never driven on slicks before in my life, never yeah. on a go-kart, no, no, never driven on slicks, just mm. production car tyres. That's all I'd ever driven on, road tyres and production car tyres. Mm. And uh, I had no idea what to expect. It was a Getrag five-speed gearbox, so first gear is down where the normal second gear in your road car is. Yep. So everything's all ass about going over the top of the hill and you're going from <laughs> what would normally be fourth back to third, but you're going from fifth back to fourth. I mean, it was just a whole new experience for me. Yeah. And I didn't realise how much buffeting went on when two cars are next to each other, and I heard Mal talking about it, uh, the, the buffeting at Bathurst as well. Same thing happened to me. I was coming down Conrod Strait and Larry Perkins was going past me mm. and he's crashed into me. I mean, what are you doing? But what it is is both cars going the same speed. We, we just bumped door handles and, and mirrors because the wind had brought us together. It wasn't he purposely yeah, yeah, yeah. hit me or anything like that. And this like is the top of the hill? No, this no. is coming down Conrod coming down Strait. Like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, just yeah, before yeah, the yeah, hump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're doing 280 kilometres an hour plus whatever, yeah. and we're just bumping door handles down there. <laughs> Piss off, get away from me, will you? <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, that was pretty nervy. And then having been on warm tyres when you come out after a pit stop on cold tyres, mm. how much the car dances around until you get some heat into the tyres. So, mm. yeah, it was a big learning experience. Unfortunately, yeah. ended in the, ended up in the wall because yeah. we had uh, the race started, Peter started the race in torrential rain, mm. and then the track was drying off and I'd got in the car next and they had me on groove tyres. Mm. It's, once again, I knew nothing about it. And when they grooved them, they pretty much grooved them down to the canvas. Yeah, okay. Uh, which I didn't know, or maybe yeah. they buggered it up when they did it. But um, <laughs> I'd, I'd done the first stint, came in, they said, stay in there a bit longer, put some more fuel in, I went out again. And we were limited budget, so limited on tyres, and I stayed out there in the full dry on these grooved tyres. And mm. as I'd come out, of, come out of the cutting going up the hill, turning right, the left-hand tyre blue spat me straight into the wall and... Um, I'm up the top of the hill. It was just after we'd had a pace car and I banged the wall. And anyway, oh, you, you see me on TV. I'm adjusting the mirror, the, the, <laughs> the, the interior mirror and all that. And my missus said, what were you doing adjusting the mirror? I said, 
I got that many cars coming up behind me. I'm not going to open the door yeah. when, when, when cars are still coming out until the whole field's gone past. Yeah. Anyway, the only saving grace to that was when I when I got out and I'm standing up on the wall. I think Mike Raymond and, mm. and Gary Wilkinson doing the commentary, whatever. That. Oh, young Ryan McLeod's put it into the wall up there, so at least I didn't get my name thrown out <laughs> on national TV that it was me. But my wife watching in Queensland, she knew it was me. You said you're talking on commentators then. You actually did a bit of commentary. Was it at the Speedway or was it at, at racetracks as well? Uh, no, the the show Speed Week, when they were doing sprint cars, uh, Wade Unger, Unger, mm. Unger uh, yeah. used to invite guests on to, to help with the commentary. Mm. And uh, that was down at um, opposite Luna Park down there, oh, the studio yes, yes, down yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, Greg, somebody I think was the... Used to do Speed Week. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so I did commentary there, and uh, mm. I think I was pretty ordinary at it. And not long <laughs> after me, uh, Justin Manith did it, and JJ, he, he just did a fantastic job, and I think he then kept on doing it with, with Wade for the next next couple of years. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah that, that that was my only, only stint at it. Mm. I just remember Wade asking me a question about, oh, and what are the G-forces like? And I just, uh, I froze. I just didn't really know it. Oh yeah, they're really big. I thought, yeah, that went down well, didn't I? <laughs> so yeah, that that was the end of my commentary career. Yeah, and we're going back to the Bathurst. You, you and Mal Rose, you know, you two are good mates. You finished thirteenth in the ninety-seven Bathurst one thousand. Um, how did do you remember much of that weekend? Obviously, there was a lot more cars back. I think there was at least sixty cars on the grid. So do you remember much of um bumping into the track at the time and setting up and whatnot? And what was supercars back then? From what you remember to what you see now on TV, Oh, totally different. And uh, yeah, we uh, we went up there in '97, and mm. uh, that's after me and Mal had done some driving together in the in the production cars. And uh, mm. he he uh, mentioned that uh, he had a workshop in uh, Ray Lintot Capital Motors on Parramatta Road at Auburn. Let him have some workshop space there, which mm. was op- opposite my yard that I owned, my warehouse. Mm. And so we'd catch up a bit and then he said, uh, hey KB, do you want to have a drive with me at Bathurst? And I thought, oh, is, is that phone call again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm in. So um, we went up there and uh, it, 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 it was a great time. My wife, Helen, uh, uh, my, ma- my main mechanic through production cars and sprint cars was Roger Lewis, who's um, a, a great friend. And uh, Helen said, yeah, you can go up there and do it with Mal, but Roger's got to go with you. I want him checking over every, every single nut and bolt on that car. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not that she had any doubts about Mal's crew, but she just wanted that little uh, safety blanket to know that one of people she knew very well had checked over the car for me. Yeah. So we'd gone up there and... and um, in the television commentary and that there was Mark Osler commenting saying that, you know, Mal had done the right thing. Me racing Speedway at the time had, had sacrificed a lot of his practice time to give me laps in the car to get comfortable around there. But uh, This is when Mel had a few cars, didn't he? Or was this when he only had the one VS Commodore? Yeah, this was just the one VS Commodore. So that's okay. before he'd started the supercar experience. Yeah. And this was the ex-Pinnacle car that he'd talk, spoken yeah, about. John okay. Cleland and uh, Tony Scott had owned that Oh. Tony Scott had driven that car with uh, John Cleland. Mm. So uh, we had that car and it was, uh, once the race started, it was, uh, Mal started the race, handed over to me and I think I'd done one lap. Mm. And uh, there was no clutch. Mm-hmm. The PI dash system mm. wasn't working. He'd <laughs> scraped 
the mirror and turned it in or broken it coming out of um, Reed Park. And I thought, this is just like being in my sprint car. I've got no clutch. I've got no mirrors. I've got no dash. dash just got to do my best and drive it. So <laughs> that's where we had the legend, Bert Jones, who, yeah. who racing heads. And he, he was working there. And I came in after my stint. Radios, as we all know, hardly ever work at Bathurst. And I'm on the radio trying to tell them, there's no clutch. There's no clutch. What? Can't hear. What? What? <laughs> so anyway, I just do my best and drive it. Yeah, and matching the revs, and uh, you sort of got it right about ninety percent of the time. But you know, there's a couple of times you get it wrong, and going back into second gear to go through the cutting or whatever, and you feel the diff bounce and jump and everything. You think, oh shit, I hope it makes it doesn't blow it up and that. But uh, coming down Conrod Strait, at let's just say everybody exaggerates and says mm-hmm. it's three hundred kilometres, and and you're probably doing two ninety four, two ninety six in our car, two eighty, two two eight. 290, whatever it might be. Yeah. But you're coming down there and changing down gears with no clutch in, in the old old yeah. Hollinger six-speed gearbox, not not sequential or anything like that. You've got to match the revs yeah. in the car all the time. And and we did that basically the whole race with no clutch, which which is where uh, Wayne Gardner was leading the race and he blew, he blew a motor coming into, into Forest Elbow and Mal yeah. was in the car at the time now because I came in I was, after my pit stop and said, yeah. guys, we've got no clutch. And in those days, you could push the car. I said, so what we've got to do, get Mal in the car. As soon as we drop it down, start pushing him, and it'll just slam it into first gear, Mal, and away we go. So yeah. It was come into the pits and knock it into neutral. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we're, these we're, days. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. We're, we've, we've, we've got no clutch, and Mal spun in Gardner's oil, mm. and we dropped five laps. And I, I, I'm down in the pits saying to Graham Bailey, our team manager, Mm. Not the chickadee, Graham Bailey, a different Graham Bailey. Mm. And uh, I said, mate, get on the get on the two way. Tell tell them to get in contact with the with the marshals. We're still in the race. We got no clutch. Yeah. And as I say, we dropped five laps because they were pushing Gardner's car with a blown motor out of the way. Yeah. When we're right. sitting in the middle of the track. track. Yeah. And we got a great collage of photos that uh, somebody had done for the Primus One Thousand, and it's mm. got Larry Perkins, and uh, there is the winner, and there's this picture of. We're right in the centre of it, Mal's car, pointing in the wrong direction on Forest <laughs> Elbow. But, uh, yeah, so we ended up coming 13th after dropping five laps and doing the race with no clutch. Yeah, I've got a bit off topic here, but you've mentioned your wife a few times. How did you meet your wife? Uh, through the motor trade. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, right. she, she was working at a, at the Mitsubishi dealership at Newman's Cogra, mm. and uh, I walked in and there's this blonde glamour behind the, behind the counter, and I said to one of my mates, I'm going to get her. <laughs> well... Here we are, thirty years later. <laughs> <laughs> so nah, she's been my greatest supporter. She's uh, yeah, she's always uh, believed in me with mm-hmm. my team. As I say, I'm always quiet. I think yeah, yeah. I'm surprised I'm even on the show because I don't reckon anybody knows me. But I'm only on here because of your old man and golf. I reckon. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, but um, she she's always said you you know yeah. you, you've done a lot and uh, yeah yeah I've well, had a ball. Yeah, well, that's good. So did you meet her when you were in your twenties? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got married in 1992. Yeah. So let's see. Oh, oh, that's when I was 31 then. So, mm. yeah. But we, we met, I was late, late 20s. So. Yeah. And you only had one son? Uh, uh, no, two boys. Two boys, okay. Uh, to my wife, Helen. Yep. And I have a daughter, Danielle, with three grandkids. They live in Young. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, yeah I, was, I was a grandfather just before 50, about three days before I turned 50. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> so going back to your racing career, um, we've sp- spoken about your Bathurst thing. You actually had gave a go in the was it, I think it was the Australian GT in 
2000 in the showroom showdown. That was the that was Nations Cup, wasn't it? With Ian McAllister, do you remember that? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I forgot about that. Yeah, oh, uh, that was in a, in, in, in a Honda. A, a yeah, Honda it was a Honda Integra, Integra Type R. There you go. Yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah, so yeah. I can jog your memory from that one. Yeah, yeah. No, Thanks well, for the well, internet. This, this, <laughs> well, there you go. There is something in the internet. No, that's yeah. not in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, Ma- Macca lives in Young, and uh, Macca mm. bought my Black Falcon off me. Mm. Um, another car dealer, Ford dealer in Young. Yeah. And uh, we got pissed at one lunch or something one day. Mm. And he was, yeah, I'll sponsor you, KB. Yeah, we'll go and do this. We'll do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ring, ring him a couple of days later. Oh, did I really say that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, so Mac is a good mate of mine. And, uh, yeah, mm. so uh, he rung me and said, oh, because I think he got, there was Grant Denyer had mm. the sponsor of Just Cuts. Yes, I remember that. And I, I think Grant was maybe meant to be driving with Ian or, or Grant hurt himself or was crook or something mm. or something happened where maybe Grant's sponsor Just Cuts moved to Williams just for the weekend, whatever it was. But yeah, it was sponsored by Just Cuts and that sort of stuff. And uh, I remember who, Wayne Park was also in another, in another he was, Honda. He was a speedy little driver that back yeah, then. Yeah. And um, it, Ian, Ian and his team were relatively new into the sport and mm. uh, we'd gone up there and it was wet and we're going, and I said, Mate, guys, these tyres are shit. Like, I mean, Wayne Park drove straight around the outside of me through Reed Park and McPhillamy like I was standing still. Like, <laughs> nobody overtakes around out there anyway, especially in the wet. And I said, mate, we were that slow. And yeah. uh, anyway, we, we softened the car up a bit and uh, got some different tyres. And uh, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, forgotten about that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, also well there's been quite a, yeah, quite oh, a few, and you, you don't remember everything unless nah. somebody mentions something. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Do you remember, obviously, racing after that um, from Sandown and uh, racing the Honda? You actually gave, you, as you said earlier, you actually raced back again at Parramatta Speedway in 2001 and 2000. Yeah. Now yeah. that you mentioned the Macca one with, mm. with the Honda, I was going to be the full show off that, that weekend because I was racing at Parramatta. Yep. Meant to be on that Saturday oh, please night. Please tell this story. <laughs> uh, and 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 uh, JJ Manoof, Justin Manoof's uh, yeah. uh, John. Mm. John had his helicopter pilot's license. Yeah, okay. And I was just gonna. Yeah, sounds like such a wank, but anyway, I was gonna <laughs> race at Bathurst and do the six hour up there, yeah. and have uh, John helicopter me back and land at the heliport at Parramatta Speedway. Yeah, for me to jump in the street car and race on Saturday night. And Did it happen? No, nah, because yeah. uh, the speedway got washed out and yeah, uh, right. and Bathurst was all wet, but uh, it was going to be a bit of fun, you know. <laughs> You're going to fly from one to the other and be exhausted by the end of the weekend. Yeah, but because they had the heliport there at um, mm. at Parramatta and uh, because I was mates with David and there was Andy Raymond and, and, and that doing the commentary and uh, uh, Stewie Telfer and that had it all teed up. Oh, to the crowd. Oh, yeah, here comes a helicopter, Kevin Burton, just coming back from Bathurst. He's just... <laughs> so, as I say, sounds like a bit of a wank, but it would have been, yeah. would have been a bit of fun. Do you remember <laughs> Do you remember much of Andy Raymond back then? He was he was a big promoter, wasn't he? Was well, it, it was his dad, Mike. Mike Raymond, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike and, and, yeah, Mike and Andy, then Steve. Andy, Andy's, yeah, yeah. Andy's his son. Yeah. No, I, I knew Andy back when he had hair. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Andy got into rugby league commentating. That's right. I'm getting yeah, confused yeah. between the two. Mike Raymond was the one that was, that's what I was talking to. And about Channel now. 7 Motorsports. Mike was, Mike was Mr. Motorsport. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, and Bill Roberts, who was, who was uh, the one that I mentioned before with the sprint cars, he married Mike's daughter, Lyndall. Mm-hmm. Uh, was, um, privileged enough to go to their wedding and uh, 
Um, unfortunately, as as we all know, Mike passed away also a few years ago. But uh, mm. uh, nice family went uh, went to Andy's place for dinner one night, and uh, his wife at that time, Vanessa, mm. she was a Speedway uh, guy's daughter. Yeah, uh, the Speedway people are just—they really are fantastic. Like to come over from the road racing to Speedway, mm. and the way that everybody's so friendly, that everybody's there to help each other. You know, you tear your car up, there's everybody comes running from every other team to get in and help and get you back out on that track. Mm. And when I first came over, I was sort of seen as a bit of a silver tail. Who's this bloke coming over from road racing? And he's just rent. Rent renting his, mm. his his crowd and all that sort of stuff for, for for doing all the work, but to me, to set up in the sprint car operation mm. by doing the deal I did with Crafts, I just paid them, uh, for want of a better word, a management fee because mm. I, I I owned my my sprint car. Well, yeah. Leander Sander, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. Yeah, but um, I didn't have to buy a a tow car. Didn't have to buy a trailer. Didn't have to have a quad bike. Didn't have to have any of the special tools. None of that. Like that's a big investment. Mm. And by doing it the way that I was doing it, all I had to do was turn up with my race bag, race, and they take it away and bring it back next week. So I did look like a shovel nose. Yeah. But let me tell you, there's a lot of people doing it now. They think it wasn't such a silly idea because you don't. Somebody else has got the investment, so it helps the people who've already got the investment, mm. uh, and and they in a fashion, rent, rent their services out. So it, it, it works quite well. But uh, mm. when I say about my, my sprint car, me and a sander owning it, <laughs> we'll go back to the Falcon days. And yeah. Mal talking about how he got all his bank loans. Yeah, yeah I love, I love these that. type of stories. Yeah, well, this one, when I bought the car off uh, Ken Douglas, it was actually Ted Robinson, Robinson Race Development, owned the car and Ken drove it from. I rung Ted and I, I was going to finance the car. So I had to get the registration number and the chassis number and he gave it to me all over the phone. Mm. And either he read it out wrong or I I didn't understand what he was saying, but it was JG23MMR. Yeah. And uh, and it had Victorian Rego EOU016. So I got that finance through AGC for 35000 or whatever it was and the mm. uh, car turned up and I got it registered in New South Wales. Mm. Then I noticed, because when I was getting it registered, I noticed the chassis number was NR, not MR. Yeah. I thought, oh, years ago. <laughs> so anyway, I then went to a Sander Finance and uh, financed it in New South Wales with the New South Wales registration and a different chassis number as well. So yep. I now owed $70,000 on, on this $35,000 car. So that was probably a little illegal to have two encumbrances on one you, car. You had but number anyway. 50 in sprint cars. Was any number symbolic for you for your car racing you just didn't care you just hop in a car and go no i had number 50 through my production car days unless it was a 12 hour where they weren't always sort of well i i wasn't able to have 50 one particular year because peter mcleod was running an rx7 mm. sponsored by slick 50 yeah so, so yeah that he sense. had dibs on number 50 so i had number 20 for, yeah. for that but uh no i had number 50 through all my production cars and uh so it was available when I went to Speedway in the sprint car, so I was able to have that one then. But, and th- that's what I did with the Santa when I bought the sprint car. Mm. Uh, Do you remember run- the chassis that you ran? Did you always run one particular chassis in sprint car? No, the first year was the Grizzly, which was Bill Roberts's yep. uh, chassis. And so, um, was that an Australian-built chassis? Or yeah, was that an, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. Bill, Bill built them, and that was the coilover one. Yep. So uh, that, that was the, uh, the number that I gave to Santa, G-R-I-Z. A whole heap of zeros and number fifty at the end, and yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it had on the contract 
Grizzly sprint car, racing car, it sounded we're happy to finance it. Yeah, right, wow. <laughs> Back in the good old days when you yeah. could finance anything, so. But, uh, and I, I, I ran the, uh, the the coilover car for, for the first year, and as I say, first podium with that. Mm. And uh, then I felt that I wanted to be on a level playing field with everybody else who had uh, caution bar cars, so. Yeah. Um, the, the the crafts or bill whoever sourced a, an eagle chassis for me yeah which uh, I then went to torsion bars and Max Dunsey like was running them or I think he still does does he yeah yeah yeah, okay. yeah so so you went to that eagle chassis yeah yeah so uh, uh that 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 was good as I say we got another couple of podiums but yeah. we went we went to the states it was Brett Lozman and myself old jump jet and yeah. uh, oh you actually went to America to race in spring cars no. Oh no! no. <laughs> uh, Brett went, Brett yeah. had won a series that they put on at Parramatta, the Don Steen Plant Hire series, and yep. the winner of the series ended up getting two two tickets to America. Yep, going to staying at Anaheim, going to Disneyland, and that. Oh, okay. And uh, Brett and myself and David Lander and a few people were out at the Vicar of Wake Vicar of Wakefield Pub at Dural playing mm. two up one Anzac Day, and we're, he's saying, "Oh yeah, got this trip coming up." Though. I said, "Mate." Who's going? He said, oh, I've done it yet. I said, well, mate, you've got all the tickets and the accommodation. Uh, I'll, I'll pay for any other accommodation or whatever, and we'll, we'll go over there together. Yeah. So anyway, we did that. <sighs> we turn up at the airport, and we're going for three weeks. Mm. And I'm struggling to keep my luggage under the 32 kilos I've turned up, and I got it at about 31 and a half kilos and weigh in. Mm. Lozman turns up, throws his bag on. It's one kilo. Mm. <laughs> Hey, what are you doing? He said, I, I just got one bag inside another bag. You buy everything over there. It's cheap in the States. Here I am. I'm lugging around 30 kilos, and he turns up with one kilo bag. Uh, he, we, we were the odd couple. I, I, I'm pretty organised and anal with having everything tidy on my desk and, mm. and that, and uh, he's just a grub. He, the, the, so he was, he was Oscar and I was Felix as we're touring around America. Type. He's still the mates, odd couple. Are you still mates with loads of them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Do you yeah, still have yeah. a beer with him and whatnot? Uh, no, we don't catch up that often, but uh, yeah, we talk every now and then. Another car dealer. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're all in the same business, but yeah, we went over there and uh, oh, there's some stories there. <laughs> some of the speedways. <laughs> so yeah, finishing your speedway, finishing your speedway career, you kind of had done that. You gave about I think five years off, and then you got into obviously we will talk about with Mal Rose. You come back to Mal and you get you start the Mitsubishi Mirage. No, no, sorry, it was the Holden Commodore first. In two thousand and six, I think. Do you remember? You, no. Was that was that your first one that with Mal? No, no it wasn't. No, no. no. You, you were okay. right in the first place. I was right in the first place. Okay. Yeah, I I, I stopped Speedway in the two thousand two thousand and one uh, season. Mm. Uh, it was David Landers finishing him up, finishing up at the Speedway. Yep. And uh, I wasn't sure if I was ready to retire or not, so I got um, a young guy, Warren Ferguson, to drive my car. He he was without a drive that particular year. I said. Warren, you jump in the car. Yep. I'll sit back and I'll watch and I'll see if it kills me or not. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he did a couple of race meetings and I thought, no, nah, I'm comfortable. The, the, the two boys were getting a bit older and it was, it was time to give up being selfish and racing and having all the fun myself. And we, we, we'd bought a boat a couple of years earlier and we we're spending a bit of time on the boat. So it was time to, uh, time to retire and get a bigger boat and, and spend more time with the family and, and so we did that, and three years later, mm. Mal rings me and says, KB, we're going to Germany. I said, what? <laughs> he said, no, 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 we're going to go and do the Nürburgring 24-hour. 
mate, I haven't raced in years. I said, I haven't had my cams license since. When yeah. did I race with Ian McAllister? Oh, You're telling two, me was it? It was 2000, <laughs> before, around then. It was yeah, 2000, actually, yeah, 2000. Yeah. So uh, I hadn't had my, my road racing license for then, and you need an international license, which I did have at the time. Mm. He said, mate, don't worry about it. I'll fix it. I'll speak to some people. But, mate, we're going. Yeah. I said, mate, tell you what, if you can organise for me to get my international license back when I haven't raced for three or four years, not a problem, I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way he's going to pull that off. Yeah. Anyway. Talk about Mal here, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... As it turns out, you give Cam's, Cam's 500 bucks and they'll do anything for you, type. <laughs> I had to get three references. And uh, so I had Colin Osborne, mm-hmm. who I used to race against in production cars, mm-hmm. who was the president of Cam's mm. at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got another guy, Alan Vaughan, who was the one of Colin's uh, crew, who was actually head of the Flag Marshals Association of Australia or something. Mm. And Colin Bond, who yeah, was the right. Australian driver's... Yeah. Um, standards officer for the supercars. So yeah. I had three pretty good references to give cams. Yeah. Paid cams 500 plus the normal license fees. And I had an international license and we're. And away you went. Away we go. And that in the first year was the Mirage, wasn't it? In, in yeah. The, so yeah. we did 04, 05 in the Mirages. And in all honesty, you got to do your apprenticeship. The Nürburgring, we've, we've, we've turned up there and we're in a multi, uh, Volkswagen multi driving around this. <laughs> Six of us, in, and we're just driving around this place in awe. Yeah. You know, 180-something corners, whatever. Mm. And uh, anyway, we jumped, in, we jumped in the Mirages, and I remember my first lap, and I'm driving like I'm driving through Galston Gorge, and I've never driven through there before, you know. Mm. Uh, backing <laughs> off, accelerating, backing off, accelerating. <laughs> every corner you're coming to, because you've got no idea what's yeah. where. But uh, by, the end of the, by the end of the first... Uh, first one. The, the, the first race so 24 hours later and i can still recite every corner i I know my way around that track so Mm. 20 years later i can still Mm. navigate and and draw a map of how to get around there now and they'd start cars in three different areas is what mal was saying. yeah they start they start 200 in between 220 and 230 cars in a Mm. race and you've got minis you had a one bloke in an automatic uh mercedes-benz basically a road car yeah and they're all about the sport, it, it, it's, you know, competing in it. And they call it sportive. Yeah. It, you know, it's all about being sportive and everybody is being yeah, sportive yeah. and in the race. So they start them in batches of basically 70 cars two minutes apart because it takes yeah. a best part of 10 minutes to do a lap. So you mm. can start them in, in, in the groups of 20. So there was Mal, myself, and Anthony Robson. Robbo, as we'll call him from here on in. But Yeah, uh, and that was the first year. Yeah, 04 and... I'm just trying to think. Yeah, the first year we came second in our class there, and uh, there's a we got smoked by some rocket rocket ship Ford Fiesta or or something mm. like that. Second year we went there, and Mal always took three cars. So there there was all of, it. It ended up being cheaper to race overseas than it was here in Australia. Like yeah, back in the day. So it's 2004. It was fifteen thousand dollars. That included your airfares, your accommodation, and a twenty four hour race. Yeah. Because he's taking three cars, you've now got twelve drivers splitting mm. the expenses and that sort of stuff. So it, it worked out. It worked out quite cheap. Yeah. And uh, in the documentary, didn't you? Didn't you boys all go to that petrol station, which was like a museum in a way yeah, as yeah, well? How yeah. was that? Because over there, they don't really have that. I mean, they kind of have that at Bathurst with the Bathurst Museum, but they, yeah. this is a fuel station with just a yeah. bunch of shit in it. Yeah. What was uh, it like just going over there and just 
for the first time, like seeing just like the enthusiastic mm. fans. Well, Robbo was definitely in his element because he's into the uh, Bianti cars and collectible cars and would, would buy and sell them. He has a, had a little shop or uh, I think they still have the, the shop down in uh, Barrel or Mittagong. Mm. And uh, so he just was a kid in the candy store seeing all these cars. But yeah, the, the history there of the Nürburgring and that, it, it's just every racing driver has to do it. Yeah. It is just the best place in the world. Yeah. And look, we all do. Lots of people say, you know, Bath is the greatest track in the world. Well, I mean, it's up, it's up there. It's one yeah, of the best. Yeah. But uh, uh, you, you're still the Nurburgring has to be the best. I think Spa, mm. which Mal and myself have done as well, Spa and, and Bathurst. I mean, Bathurst is there with the top three. We haven't obviously done Le Mans. I don't mm. know why we didn't do that, Mal. You should have got your shit together better. But anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> But to me, Lamar just looks a lot lot flatter from yeah. what I've seen on TV. I just think, you know, Bathurst I would rate as being the third best. And a lot of people might say, oh, you're kidding, aren't you? But unless they've actually driven the Nürburgring. Yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just crazy. Exactly. It's just wild. So yeah. you, you, you were telling me on the phone when we're getting to know each other because there's nothing of you on the internet um, <laughs> about you going for a wander around Nürburgring and then you've actually had a bit of a party and came back and Mel's gone, what, what's happened, KB? Uh, what was that story? What was that story all about? Yeah, this is the one my wife said don't tell. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> anyway, so um, what was it? 2006, there was, yep. uh, with first year, they took the supercar. So there was Adam Wallace owned the car, mm. Mel, the logistics man. Mm. Matt, Mel did a lot of preparation and I, i'm not sure if it was mal's engine or not i mm. i think it may have been mal's engine again yeah probably blue flames um <laughs> and uh so we've gone over there in 06 and um the races but going back to when we we're in the mirages we've turned up there and up near the carousel the famous carousel there's this stand with all these aussie flags and kangaroos and this crowd cheering every time we went past mm. we don't know what's going on and so anyway how good's that and so 2005, we go there again in the Mirage. Same crowd, same place, same kangaroos, same everything. So, 06, we've taken the Commodore. We turn up and they've painted Holden 2006 on the racetrack. Like, I mean... No way. We we, we had these fans that we don't don't really know who they are type thing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and uh, we've... So you just decided to go for a visit, really? Well, Mal started the race. Yeah. And then Adam jumped in for his stint. Mm-hmm. And usually when you're the owner of the car, you're going to drive it harder than the co-drivers because <laughs> well, yeah, <fair> enough. <laughs> they're he more comfortable the in their own car and yeah, yeah. if they crash it, it's their problem. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, Adam, Adam put it into the wall mm. down at Adden now. So Robbo and myself missed out on our drives. I said to Robbo, I said, mate, let's go up on the hill. Let's go and meet these people who've been cheering for us every yeah. year. So we've worked our way up. We've worked our way up there and we've managed to find them. And they treat, we were rock stars. They, yeah. could, they couldn't believe that the drivers from Australia had come up to meet them. Yeah. And there's Obi and Axel and Karen and all these people and just lovely people and they love their motor racing over there. There's 250,000 turn up mm. for the event. And it's like Bathurst in the old days when you used to go up there in the 80s and you'd set up everybody, there's scaffolding and there's drinking and there's partying and it's just, it, it's just one big party. Yeah. So, as I say, they're treating us like rock stars and R- Robbo's a fair bit more sensible than me, so Robbo's mm. decided to go back and said, nah, mate, I'm going to stay here and mm. stay on the piss with the guys up here. <laughs> so it gets to around sort of, 
11 o'clock or midnight, Noby starts taking me around to all the different camps. Mm. Uh, there's one camp here and it's got a bus and it's got an elevator inside it. You go up, you go up to the first floor of the bus and there's no the, these Germans in a spa on the top <laughs> floor of the bus and they're, they're, everybody's drinking and oh, I'm shit-faced by now. And yeah. We go to another <laughs> camp and they give me this drink and it's got all this white powder in it. I've gone, hey, Obi, no, 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 no. <laughs> I get stupid enough drinking piss. I don't need, yeah, I don't yeah. need. Oh, KB, KB, it's okay. It's sherbet. Remember sherbet. You have licorice stick and sherbet powder. <laughs> so it was a Jägermeister with sherbet powder or something. No oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Down the hatchet goes. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Um, the next year we we went back there in '07 because yeah, you um, back in the you raced the Mirage again after the hot Commodore, didn't you? Uh, no, you didn't. I got see, that wrong again. now if I was on the internet, you'd know all this because you would have been able to find it I out. Have. But see, yeah, well, '07 we were back in o- the Commodore again. '07 it says here in the Mirage. Who, who wrote says, that? Uh, driver database. You yeah, can blame them. Yeah, they got it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that year, because after Adam had had his little accident, we're, we're back at the, the guest house. He says, guys, we're coming back next year. Yep. And mate, it's on me because I ballsed it up and mm-hmm. we're back next year. So we go back there in 07 mm-hmm. and we're there on, we land on Tuesday. We're not on the racetrack till Thursday. So yeah, uh, I said, come on, Robert, we're going up the hill. We'll go and meet the guys. And and some of the crew came up this time. And so mm. there's, there, there was about... Was this when the documentary was getting filmed as well? When No, the document... Well, the first documentary was in 04. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and Stewie's done a, a, a lot of different versions of it. But uh, mm. And I don't know, I haven't listened to all of Mal's podcasts, but uh, mm. when they did the original one, they, they did a release of it at uh, the cinemas at North Ride. Yeah, right. And uh, in gold-class cinemas, and mm. man, we're all there. Mal says, KB, look, that's Warren Willing. <laughs> Warren Willing's turned up. He's paid money to, yeah. to come and see us idiots over in Germany. Like, this guy's a superstar, <laughs> and he's come to see us turkeys. <laughs> so uh, that, that was a real kick for us, and unfortunately another one who's passed away. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so um, a, a few of the team, we all went up there, and I stayed up there and a, a bit longer. Mm. And uh, anyway, the next morning, I'm I'm walking up to the guest house. Mal's out on the balcony. Nice early morning, seven thirty. Ah, KB, good to see you. Been out for a walk, mate. Keeping fit. You ready to go? I said, "What are you talking about, man? Piss off! I'm just getting home from last night." You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hungover like a bastard. And yeah. and anyway, he thought I've been keen and conscientious, which I do take my motor racing very seriously. But we weren't yeah. on for another couple of days, so yeah. Well, that's yeah. it. You, it's so, that's why I mentioned it because in the pot in that. In the documentary that was mentioned in Mao's podcast, he was saying that you guys had a f- fair few days, you know, to just chill and relax. Yeah, so, you that know, was my chilling and relaxing. That was 100%, <laughs> nothing wrong with that, as long as you, as long as you sober up before the racetrack, yeah. you're all good to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do you, you, you said before, when we were chatting off air as well on the phone, that you were... You, you came back for one event, I think, was it at Winton that you said to me, that you've done one race since, since oh, you yeah. kind of well, gave it up? Well, uh, after 07 in the supercar, mm. uh, Mal kept on going back. He went back a couple of times with, uh, well, the next year with Peter Lemus and Tony Orford, which was Mr. Donut King, mm. with uh, plenty of money. And uh, me and Robbo were just about out of bullets, I reckon. So we, we, we were out. Mm. Uh, but in 09, Mal rung me. He'd set up a, a few drivers to drive at uh, the Belgian touring car series a 12-hour race at spa yep i actually did get a few of these phone calls i'm pretty impressed now uh, he rang me he said kb there's a seat over here get your ass over here mm. pay for yourself to get over here and 
you can have a drive. He said, I'm not going to let these blokes have yeah. uh, ha- have a, a third each worth of drive and get half a drive or whatever. Like, I'd prefer yeah. to put you in the car. So I had some Qantas points. I just jumped on the plane, went over there, and uh, I think we came second in that one. We were leading, but we two laps from the end, we blew a tyre and a little Toyota Yaris beat us. Like, imagine being beaten by a Yaris. Yaris and, I mean, that's before they had Gazoo Racing type yeah, team. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, yeah, we came second there. So my my last race was 2009 in Belgium at Spa. Mm. And my good friend Phil Alexander, as we were talking before, and I'll give him, I'll give him a plug here. He, he has a business called Raceaway Track Time. Yep. And for any young person or old person, it doesn't matter, mm. who wants to go motor racing, who just thinks they can't do it, you can. Raceaway Track Time has the cars. Mm-hmm. You can rent them quite cheaply. Phil gives you the tuition. They do a lot of racing at Wakefield Park and Maroolan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also has a, a business called The Road to Bathurst. So you yep. can just turn up. You've never driven before. Mm-hmm. He will tutor you through, and you can then be racing at the six-hour race at Bathurst and that sort of stuff. It is a brilliant thing for any any young bloke mm. or old bloke. Uh, so we were down, it was Phil's daughter's engagement party and we were down there and we used to race at Lakeside back in the Pulsars because after the Falcon, mm. they went to front wheel drive under, under 2.5 litre cars. So I got a Pulsar then mm. and we raced up at Lakeside and uh, I, I, I liked my music and especially my Aussie music and I remember racing around there and singing to myself, Lakeside, 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 <laughs> Aussie Crawl song, as, I, as I'm hooking in, and we're, yeah. we're racing the rounds of the championship, and every racing driver knows that all the stupid shit mm. you think or do or sing or whatever when you're driving, yeah. especially in endurance racing. But anyway, uh, he's saying, oh, we're going up to Lakeside, they're going to do a 12-hour race. He said, why don't you come up? I said, no, nah, nah, mate, I'm, I'm done. Mate, I haven't raced for yeah. 10, 12 years. And uh, he said, oh, we're going to do pulsars again, just like the old days. I said, mate, yeah, no worries. Uh, next day, well, we're driving home from Barrel, and my missus says, why don't you do it? I said, what? He said, well, you're 60 this year. Mm. Be that your 60th birthday present or something. Give yourself the present. I said, well, look, you're in Phil. If you, you, you can set a deal up where it's not stupid money, yeah, I'll do it. So anyway, she rings me back. Yeah, deal's done. You're <laughs> racing. So I ring Phil. I said, mate. What about the license? He said, mate, you just jump on this website and it's called Races mm. or, or something. Yeah. And I said to him, I said, so we always used to talk about these drivers who, where'd you get your license from a cornflakes packet? Yeah. I said, is this the cornflakes packet website? He said, pretty much. <laughs> he said, all I did was put my name and address and something else, pay $25 and I had a license to go on this race. Really? I couldn't believe it. <laughs> but this is how easy it is. Yeah. And we were the wrong people to be in this race in all honesty. Yeah. Uh, it, it is for novices, and yep. we went up there, and they were novices. Yeah, uh, we really shouldn't have been there, but it was a great event, and I had no idea. It, it's not actually a twelve-hour race; it was a six-hour timed session on Friday mm-hmm. and a six-hour timed session on Saturday. So you're not actually racing because insurance-wise yeah, and all that. Yeah. So, so it's like a regularity. So, a, a, a clock watch starts at a certain time mm-hmm. and it finishes at a certain time and whoever's yeah. done the most laps gets given a trophy. So it's yeah. technically not a race because yeah. of insurance and that. Yeah. So we go up there and Phil, all oh, right, I'll, watch is going to start at 10 o'clock. We'll let you on the track at 9.30, and, but the clock will start at 10 o'clock. I haven't been in a car for 12 years. Phil says, I'll just go out, I'll set it up, I'll make sure that I'm happy with it. Anyway, mm. 
He's late getting in the car, gets in at about quarter to ten, and then does a few laps. The flag drops. So here's me still waiting to just have a couple of loosener rufferers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so about an hour and a half into the race, he comes in, right, I jump in. <laughs> so anyway, where we go. And look, I was really happy because within about two or three laps, I was matching Phil's times and that sort of stuff. Uh, mm. And so for, for not having done it for so long, yeah. I was happy to still be competitive. And, uh, but yeah, it was one of those things. The rules were that if you passed anybody, mm. if there was contact, the person passing yep. is at fault. Yeah. So I went through the loop down the end of the straight and there's a guy on a crawler and he was way offline. As I say, it, it, it's novices, which is great that they've got somewhere to go. Mm. So I'm going around the outside of him and I get hit in the back door. I was, I was past this guy. I, I didn't even look behind him. He's just mm. driven into my back door. So I get a drive-through penalty. My whole racing career, I'd never been black flagged, never had a drive-through penalty, no disciplinary action with stewards, nothing. Yeah. So anyway, got a drive-through penalty. <laughs> Go back out there. And uh, yeah. it just, it was so good to go out there again. But good to have the, the these other guys have an opportunity. And as I say, anybody who wants to go racing, you yeah. can go racing. It's not that hard. These blokes, they just they had their Corollas. There's it's the like a cheap car challenge. The classes were class, cars at up to one thousand dollars Red Book value and up to two thousand dollars Red Book value. <laughs> they were the classes of cars. Yeah. So I, I mean, it, it was great, it, yeah. but it, it it was a little bit dangerous for the total inexperience of a lot of them, but it was great to go back up there. So that then was when I thought, I've just paid this to do this. No, I think I'd prefer to spend my money going down to Queensland or Queenstown in New Zealand playing golf with the boys and having a good time. I, I think I'm cured. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. you don't have any expectations to go back to cars after that now? Is that, that kind of No, no, I had, that, I had that one go and, and I enjoyed it and I thought, but no, I'm I'm happy with my decision that I'm retired. And uh, did did your boys ever have it want to want to go racing at all, or were they more are they into other sports? They might have wanted to, but I wasn't going yeah, to encourage it. <laughs> I had trouble paying for my own career, let alone yeah. theirs. <laughs> <laughs> so do they watch? Do they watch car racing? Or any, do they have any favourite sports though? Your sons or anything, or not really? Yeah, um, the eldest son's soccer. Uh, the youngest son, he's in, he's into the bikes. He works at Bike Visit Parramatta. Who, yeah, uh, strangely enough, did did end up uh, sponsoring Kerry Madsen when Kerry was my teammate. And, yeah. Uh, so my son's ended up working there uh, as a service advisor. Mm. Uh, he's he's into the MotoGP and the bikes and likes bikes. But uh, they they both had a had a turn at golf, mm. went away from it, but they they they're coming back to it now. They like the idea of playing golf again. So. But uh, no, I like to keep it uh, cheap sports, not expensive ones like the old man. <laughs> well, Kev, thanks for coming on the podcast. I much appreciate it. And um, my dad was the one who hinted this podcast. So um, I'm sure you're more well-known than playing golf the, with my dad. And um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. The links to all our social media are in the show notes.